So I haven't had a dad in my life for 38 years, and I'm now 68. Hello, you are listening to NPE Stories. This is a podcast where NPEs can share their story. I am your host, Lily, and I found out I was an NPE through an ancestry DNA test that changed my life forever. NPE is a term that stands for not parent expected or non-paternal event. This means that one or more of our parents are not who we believe them to be. NPE Stories is a podcast where NPEs can share their story of what their original family was like, how they found out they were an NPE, and what their journey has been like since the day they found out. And welcome to episode 72. Today, I am speaking with Kathleen. Hi, Kathleen. Hi, Lily. And just to clarify, the name of this episode is called KJ's Story. Um, but your name is Kathleen. We just wanted to differentiate the um, in the title which Kathleen I was speaking to. Hi, Kathleen. Thank you so much for sharing your story today. I really appreciate it. Well, you're welcome. And I want to thank you for what you're doing in the world by having mm-hmm. these NPE story podcasts. I really think you're doing some wonderful work and needed work in the world. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. I get so much out of it. I really do. Um, I think I've seen you around on the forums, haven't I, on some of the Facebook groups? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. This is so nice to actually get to listen to someone's story. You know, you know them from online, from Facebook, mm-hmm. but sometimes you don't know the whole story. So, right. okay. So, and you have been probably one of my more prepared guests. I have to tell you, you were so thoughtful and considerate in, you know, anonymizing some of your data and being just very um, considerate about some of your family members and being, I, I guess that's the right, right way to put it is, you know, everyone's at a different part in their story and you wanted to use some aliases. And I thought, I think that's a great idea and just a great reminder for anyone that if they want to share their story, you can anonymize data. Let's get into your story today. (laughs) Why don't you tell me about your original family? I will. And I have to tell you that to tell you about my original family really changes after you've had your NPE story uh, given to you. So once you have a DNA story that you didn't have before, it's kind of hard to pull up the old memories and the old story. But I'll give it to you as it was told to me. Um, Mom and dad, when I say dad, I'm talking about the man who raised me, my dad, got married two months before I was born. And that was in 1952. I was born in August. And as you know, back then, um, it was fairly scandalous, but only for the woman, uh, if she was uh, pregnant before she was married. And there were a lot of well, evidently, like mine, a two-month gestation period before <laughs> I was born. <laughs> so anyway, there was that, which um, we children in the family were not told. But I was born to Pat and Willie in northern Minnesota in a small town called Eveleth. It's a big hockey town. And my dad was from out of state, from Illinois, and uh he and my mom settled in her hometown of Evelyn. 
uh, dad was still in the service uh, just for, I think, a few months. I'm not really sure on the timeline, but um, mom and I lived with my grandparents, her folks, uh, while dad was away in the service. He came home and my mom didn't really see me until I was eight hours old because she was uh, busy bleeding to death. And so they were trying to save her life and she had to be transfused quite a few times from what I understand. But she always used to make the joke after the fact that now she was Finnish and Slovenian because two uh, city friends of hers had donated their blood to make sure that she made it through. Mm. So that's where I lived. That's where I went to grade school, junior high and high school. I was an only child for nearly five years when my sister was born in 1957, and my brother was born in 1959. Between my birth and the birth of my sister, mom lost three pregnancies, one of which she referred to really as her son. Uh, the other two were very early on in the pregnancy. Uh, this this son was real to her, and he would have been my brother and would have been a year and a half younger than I. He even had a name, Michael. But in those days, um, you didn't bury uh, a child that was born early. So she still counted him, too, as a miscarriage. Um, so anyway, there was that big gap, my sister, my brother, I had a really, what I would call normal upbringing. I felt safe. I loved driving around town on my bicycle when I learned to drive at six and, um, dancing became my thing when I was five and has remained so throughout my life. Mm. Um, I remember my very first dance class, it was tumbling and tap. Did not like the tumbling, loved the tap. My mom was a dancer as well and very athletic. My dad had two left feet, didn't have an ounce of rhythm, couldn't carry a tune in a bucket with a lid on it, as we'd say, um, and couldn't swim. And these are all things that, you know, the rest of us did. Uh, but he was a very steady man, movie star, handsome guy, um, a kind person, sort of a ladies' man. He was always flirting, and women were always flirting back with him. So, and he, uh, after he got out of the service, he went to a technical school in the Twin Cities, which is about three and a half hours from where we lived in Eveleth. And he got his training. I'm not even sure what it was called, except that he ended up starting a business called uh, his last name, Auto Electric. And he was in business for 25 years. And he had quite a good reputation, both as uh, far as his talent goes, and also just how he did business with people. So mom was a registered nurse. And the story was, is that when she was training at St. Mary's in Rochester, which was a nursing hospital, a friend from her hometown came to visit her and another friend of hers who was actually a nursing student there as well, and brought my dad with him. And mom was on a chair hanging mistletoe, and my dad reached up and grabbed her and brought her down and kissed her. And that was the story of how they began. And uh, mom worked. I think she went back to work when I was six weeks old. Uh, I don't know that she worked 
full time for very long. At some point during my childhood, she received a back injury and that really cursed her off and on for many years, but she still worked part-time. I remember those were the days when you, as a child, you could not go and visit your parent if he or she was in the hospital. So that was hard because it seemed like she was in traction often. So I grew up in this little town. Nothing really dramatic happened until I was probably older and away from home. So uh, my biggest loss, of course, was just before I turned 10, my grandfather, my mom's dad, died. And he was my champion. And he loved the fact that I had this Irish name, Kathleen, and I had a hair, head full of red hair like nobody else in my family. Hmm. We'll talk about that. Hmm. And uh, <laughs> so I lost him pretty early on, and that was devastating for me. Um, but I was lucky. You know, I could walk to one of my aunt's house. I could walk to my grandparents' house. Um, when another aunt and uncle moved into town, I could walk to their house. I could walk to the grocery store. Um it was really kind of an idyllic life. Kids didn't have to worry about being snatched off the street. We were very independent. And people like to say about my generation, you know, you were told to go outside and come back when it got dark so you could have dinner. Um, that's not exactly the way it worked in my family, but we had a lot of freedom. And we ate together. Every night at the dinner table, all five of us, the table was always set. We had certain rules. We said grace. <laughs> we cleaned up as soon as we were done, and the kids did the dishes. Because I was the oldest, I got to wash, which was my favorite. So, you know, it's that kind of stuff you remember when you start to know that your family and your stories have changed so much. But those are things that stick with you. Those are the things that are part of you. Uh, and remains so for many years. I'm trying to think when I was, uh, well, it had to have been when I was 24. I had some information, but I thought, well, I'll play along. And I went to my parents and I said, well, I want to plan your 25th wedding anniversary party. And so I started going about it and talked to my sister and brother, and they were pretty young. And they said they'd help. So I would run things by my mom every so often. And one day, mom and dad called the three of us kids into the family room. And they said, would you sit down, please? We have something to talk to you about. And they looked at me and they said, this probably affects you the most. And I said, oh, okay. And they said, this is not our 25th wedding anniversary. That will be next year. I said, okay. And they said, well, you know, we were pregnant before we got married, and that will be next year when you turn 25, two months after our wedding anniversary. And I said, well, Mom, Dad, I never told you, but you know that table at Grandma's house, that Duncan Fife table with that drawer that we're never supposed to go into? Well, I did. And I found your engagement announcement a clipping from the newspaper. And I saw the date and I went, well, that's odd. How did they get the date wrong? And then I realized they hadn't gotten the date wrong. You just didn't want anybody to know that you didn't get married until 
two months before I was born. So I said, I'm good. And my brother and sister just were looking at my folks going, yeah, wh what's the big deal? Hmm. So um, that was how that uh, came about. And never, ever, ever was this NPE part a part of it. But it's interesting to look back on it now. There were so many opportunities when my parents could have told me the truth, or at least my mother, uh, about this. When I was 30, I was, I no longer, of course, lived in Eveleth. I left when I was 18. But when I was 30, I was up north with my then husband and my daughter, who was three. And mom and I were getting ready for uh, Christmas. It was Christmas Eve day. And my dad was supposed to meet us. Uh, I think it was in the neighboring town and I called his shop and he didn't answer. And mom said, well, let's, let's just go back home and we'll figure this out. So we went back to the neighboring town to home and I was calling his shop and he wasn't answering. Then my mother called the shop and he wasn't answering. And she said, can I just take your car? Cause my car was in the driveway. And I said, sure, I'll come with you. And she stopped and she just stared at me. It was really kind of frightening. She goes, no, you stay here. And I thought, uh oh, so um, she left and my sister came in the back door and I said, something's wrong with dad. I said, I don't know what's going on. And, uh, and then I think my brother came in anyway, uh, I called the shop again. Mom did answer and she told me what had happened. Well, my dad, as I said, had an auto electric shop and what he had done was locked the big garage door before that he went and filled up his gas tank. Uh, then he came back to the shop, locked the door and put a hose from the back of you know, the tailpipe into the back seat of the car and he laid down and he was gone. So by the time we got mom got there, she tried to revive him and he was already gone. And so we got there and I noticed my mom, everybody's having reactions. And I noticed my mom was speaking kind of funny and I go, let's go out to the alley, mom. And by then the door was open. She couldn't have, she couldn't get the door open when she was trying to save my dad. And it was all yellow in there. And um, I'm having a hard time with this all of a sudden. And it's been 38 years. Uh, so anyway, we all went to the hospital. And mom said at some point, I think I'm having a heart attack. And mom's a nurse. And I thought, wow. So I went to the desk. I told the person at the desk, I said, my mom needs to be seen right, right away. And they said, well, we don't have a free room. And at some point, the woman at the desk heard somebody say that my dad had died of carbon monoxide poisoning. All of a sudden, they had a room available. So I almost lost my mom that same day. The carbon monoxide had damaged her heart. But she was saved. She went on to live until 2017, which was a very good thing for us. So that day, 38 years ago, was a turning point for our family. So I haven't had a dad in my life for 38 years, and I'm now 68. 
And that's something to get used to, you know. Um, and my mom was without a husband for all those years. And I remember hearing that the pastor of their church had to announce from the pulpit at both of the Christmas Eve services that my dad, Willie, had passed away. It was quite a shock to the whole congregation that dad took his life because he didn't seem that way, but then nobody does really. We don't know the pain that people are in. So that was a huge loss and a huge piece of what was to come for me when I turned 67, when I was 67 last year and got the news of being an NPE. Oh my God, that is terribly traumatic for you and your whole family. I'm sorry to hear about your dad and how he passed and thank you. How terrible. Uh, so you are now 67 years old and you find out you're an NPE. How did you find out? Well, you know how sometimes, I don't know if anybody else has this experience, but sometimes I think I'm a little bit numb in the head because I had been doing genealogy work, oh, 20 years ago, and I got so into it that I had to stop after about a year and a half because it was like all I ever thought about, all that kind of stuff. And uh, so last year when I was 67, and I think I should have checked before we did this recording, but I think it was a couple of years before last year that I took the test and I didn't pay any attention to the matches. Now go figure to me, it was all about ethnicity mm -hmm. and I couldn't figure out why there was no German because my dad said he was hundred percent German. His parents were hundred percent German and I'm thinking, okay, so why is there no German here? And, uh, I mentioned that to a cousin. I mentioned it to my daughter, my niece. I goes, isn't that odd? And then I jokingly said a couple of years ago, I said, wouldn't that be weird if my dad wasn't my dad? But I never believed it. And I just said it. And so I wasn't paying any attention. And then I think it must have been after mom died in 2017 that I started looking at these matches. And I had, and this is an ancestry DNA. Um, I saw two first cousins and I knew that they were first cousins to one another. And, um, I, and then let's see, I think it was after quite a bit after that, but after and I thought, well, who are these people? So I wrote to the person who administrates one of these first cousins and said, I can't, I can't figure out how I could be a first cousin to your husband because everybody I know is accounted for in my family, except my mom had a brother who never married and uh, maybe he had some kids we didn't know about. And that's where I was coming from when I contacted this woman who uh, was administering uh, my first cousin, a male uh, site on Ancestry. Didn't pay much attention. Then I evidently, I didn't remember this, but I looked at my messages and I had contacted the other first cousin and never heard back. And, you know, you can't really have that expectation, I don't think. I mean, you can hope, but to expect it, I think, really opens you up to disappointment. 
So after mom died, it was a really hard 13 months of the last part of her life. Uh, she lived 200 miles away from me. I was trying to manage that, working full time, getting up there when I could. Luckily, my niece uh, was the other power of attorney. So when something absolutely needed to be signed for or taken care of, she could do it. So after mom died, um, I got her papers and a lot of her belongings. And I was just exhausted and couldn't even look at them until I think it was January of 2020. I started looking at some of the stuff and uh, I found this thing and (laughs) it was a tube and I thought, Oh, there's something in it. And so I pulled it out and it was a darling caricature of my mom as a student nurse with the cap and the white uniform. And she was holding two caricatured babies, one under each arm. It was just darling. And it looked a lot like her. And it was dated April of 51. And I was about to put it back in the tube and uh, thought, oh, I should see who the artist is. And I saw a name. And I went, oh, my God. I checked the artist's last name against the name of my cousin and those with that name related to him. And it was the same name. And I thought, well, this is weird. And so I put this man's name with the term artist after it. I didn't know who he was, where he was any and the very first person who popped up was this fine artist with this name and I went to the site and I looked at his artwork and there was a place within the website you know where you could contact I didn't know if it was he or if somebody was uh, managing the website so I sent off an email and I said you know just I found this caricature so-and-so appears to be the, the artist. Da, 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 da. And so a woman who said she was the artist's, um, by the way, I'm not using my bio dad's name or my new sister's name, their new sister and bio dad for their privacy. Uh, I'm pretty sure no one really wants uh, this story shared, but it's my story. So I get to share it. And I also get to protect their privacy. And I, that's important to me. You'll, you'll hear what that resulted in, in a minute. So anyway, I contacted this person. She wrote back to me and said she was the artist's daughter and that he was living with them because he was in ill health. He was 92. Um, and I had said, you know, I found this caricature and she goes, Oh, can you scan it and send it to me? I'll show it to him and see what he says. Said, sure. So I scanned it, sent it to her. She wrote back and she said, My dad remembers your mother very well. He has intimate memories of her. I'm not sure what's going on. She she said, because it doesn't really fit the timeline because he was with my mom um, and all of that. But they weren't married yet. I know this because I found out later when everybody got married. So she wrote back. And in the meantime, between the time I sent that uh, question out into the ether and received her response, 
my niece got her results from Ancestry. She took a screenshot and she sent them to me, sent it to me. And I could tell by the results that my first cousins on my dad's side, who should have been showing up in my Ancestry results, were showing up in hers, but not mine. And that changed everything. So I, um, I contacted new sister and said, well, I think here's what's happened. And she responded by saying, I think she thought I was up to something that I already knew and I was feeling her out. I wasn't, I just wanted to find out who did the caricature. And turns out I got a lot more than that. So, um, I put together a letter. It was pretty long, but it was detailed. And um, sent it to her via email. And I never heard anything again. So I have never had that letter acknowledged. I have no contact with any first cousins or, you know, number, number of people. It's showing up actually in my ancestry DNA, even the distant cousins. Most of those people are connected to the birth father's uh, family, uh, which is interesting. So anyway, it's, it, it's a disappointment. Yeah. And I, when I read other people's stories about finding out their father is not their father, um, I feel so fortunate that I'm as old as I am because I have been through so much loss in my life. I don't think it gets any easier, but you learn how to handle it. I have had all the family I'm ever going to have. I have loved them and I've lost them and I've mourned them. And I continue to grieve the loss of them in my life. But anyone who has gone through deep loss knows that that changes over time. And if you don't mind, Lily, I want to read this that popped up somewhere on Facebook in the last day or two. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really, really appropriate for NPEs. It's about grief because grief isn't just about losing somebody to death. Sometimes they walk out of your life or whatever, but it's re- it seems really appropriate to me for people who find out that their father is not their father. And this is it. Each person's grief is as unique as their fingerprint. But what everyone has in common is that no matter how they grieve, they share a need for their grief to be witnessed. That doesn't mean needing someone to try to lessen it or to reframe it for them. The need is for someone to be fully present to the magnitude of their loss without trying to point out the silver lining. That's by David Kessler. I have no idea who that is, but boy, I think he got that right. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, really. (laughs) So, um, 2020 pretty much stunk on a lot of levels. (laughs) You never heard back from your half sister. No, Mm -mm. nope. Um, Without going into details, I have found out a tremendous amount of information about my bio father's family. But what would be would have been great 
is to um, have had a story or, you know, just hear something about that family from which I came. Um, one thing, <laughs> this is so bizarre. Um, okay, this is a really important point, too. I couldn't figure out how they would have known each other through a series of events and things I found in my mom's belongings and all that. It turns out my father and my bio dad were in the same company in the military in this multiple photographed keepsake from their uh, army battalion and company are these little pictures. And I saw my dad in there and I closed it wondering what I'm going to do with this. And I opened it. I said, I got to look and see if that bio dad's name's there. He's in, in the row above my father. Oh, wow. And that was a time I lost it. I just lost it. I started bawling, making a lot of noise and all that. Um, Cause it just seems so bizarre to me that they knew each other. Since then, I've been going through some letters that my dad wrote to my mom and he names this man. They were, pals in the service and i found a telegram that bio dad sent to my mother the month that i was conceived it had nothing to do with me being conceived it was just a well wish that he sent because she was taking either state boards or doing some exam of some sort he was wishing her well so that probably was the most disturbing thing because that threw everything up in the air Hmm. All these people knew each other. And um, I have shared, not these details, but I'll share the link with people so they can listen to it. But I'm hoping it really gets to people who are NPEs and especially people who may be older because there are no more people to um, confer with about what they knew. Um, Most of my mom and dad are both gone. Uh, nearly all of their friends are gone. Uh, What I have received is, this is so weird. When this first happened, I reached out to two friends of mine. I'd I'd known them since I was one, since I was five, one since I was six. So these people had known me almost my whole life, knew my family, had been in my family's presence. We were interconnected because I felt so, um, at sea after I heard this news. And I just wanted to connect with people who knew my family. And so I contacted each of them together. We had a video chat and I told them my news. And my one friend said, Kathleen, my mother told me your dad was not your dad. I said, what? She said, yeah, mom mentioned that to me. I said, how old were we? And she said, we were about seventh grade. And I said, well, Lisa, all I can say is you keep a darn good secret and thank you for doing that. Cause I wouldn't have been able to handle this when I was 12. So, um, that was important. And someone else knew that somebody else knew. And it turns out (laughs) her mother was not the only one. Um, I just recently found out that somebody, who is a very close friend to my niece, Jessica's grandmother, her dad's mom. uh, They were having a a talk about DNA testing and 
this friend of her grandma said to her, yeah, you know, um, sometimes we find out things we don't want to know. And, and Jess said, are you thinking of somebody? And she said, yes. And Jess said, who? And she said, I, I go by Kate with some people. Uh, she said, your aunt Katie. And just went, yep. <laughs> so both those women who knew this were not close friends of my mother, but you know, we were all very in- interconnected in that town. So recently, I just heard within the last couple of days from uh, some friends of my mom's, the woman, uh, I think my mom knew since they were four, and she's 90 now, the friend, and her husband's two or four years older than that. And he remembered that it was kind of general knowledge that my dad was not my dad. So a lot of people kept the secret and yet uh, my aunt who's my dad's sister she's still alive she's 94 it's fantastic I love her and I love my cousin so much Um, didn't know and my uncle the only uncle or aunt I have left on my mom's side uh, and he is by marriage uh, did not know I asked him as well so, yeah, it's been it's been an amazing journey. And then I have to just tell this one story because it's so significant to me. It was the very beginning of October. And I had this waking dream. So I, I wasn't fully awake, but I wasn't fully asleep. And in it... I was coming toward this old man who was sitting in a wheelchair and I realized it was my bio dad and I reached out my hand and he reached his out and our hands touched and our eyes just kept looking at each other. We didn't have to say a word. And all of a sudden it seemed like there was an understanding between us. And it was within, I would say three days of that, that, because of my obsessive researching, I found out he had died uh, for the end of September. So I knew that my opportunity to know him uh, was gone. And I figured it probably would be that way because he was, you know, 92 and he was not well. And what I felt at that moment was, tremendous sadness but it also was relief because I realized I had made the right decision by not pressing for acknowledgement from my new sister Hmm. or disrupting his life in those last months that he had to live so somehow on a gut level I knew that I had made the right decision okay yes and who knows where this is going? I don't, I feel sort of at the end of my journey. I uh, know the family I came from. I have seen photographs of my grandparents and great grandparents and back to fifth great grandparents. Um, but for me, I think that's what's so appealing about your podcast too. There's stories. Every person has a story. And every person wants their family's story, right? Mm -hmm. 
so I feel I felt very much relieved <clears throat> that I had chosen the way I had. And then I began to feel that this may be coming to a close for me. Okay. And so this today, this recording of my NPE story feels like one of the last steps um, toward being okay with where all this is at. People say, oh, don't you feel it's like a roller coaster? I go, no. I said, no. I, for me, it's not a roller coaster. That's not to say it isn't for other people because people, some people's emotions are through the roof and then they're down in a pit mm -hmm. and through the roof and again down. And that is so difficult. Um, I think this is, again, where my age and the experiences of loss that I've had in my fa in my family and amongst my friends and just in general in my life uh, have me experiencing this differently than a younger person might. And Kathleen, I'm listening to you and I, I have to say it's, it's a really peaceful way to be where you are. Mm -hmm. And I'm feeling a little empowered to, to find that acceptance. I'm, I like where you're at today. I like it. Well, thank you, Lily. You know, as I told you before we began today, that I'm doing this as part of my journey, but there's a bigger reason to do this. And that is it may help someone. And if you feel empowered by it, I have accomplished what I came here for. Exactly. <laughs> And, you know, too, I think perhaps there might be some older people listening to this, and maybe this will help them because I know every other person my age has lived a full life. You know, whatever their life has been, they've experienced loss. And when you're this age and you have no more parents or aunties or uncles, um, sometimes even your cousins are gone. Um, you, you somehow know that you can live with not having what you want. If my new sister contacted me and said, you know, maybe, maybe we can be in touch a little bit. Would you like to exchange emails or something? Sure. Sure. Of course. I'm open to that. But the life I've lived, I've lived. And just because, you know, it's like a sin of omission. I hate the word sin, but let's just call it a sin of omission where somebody didn't tell me something really important. They should have told me, right? I don't feel angry about that. I kind of feel resentful. I'm a little perturbed with my mother, but I can't be angry with my mother who's gone. She did what she had to do to get by, to live her life in 1951 and 1952. And it was not easy being a woman who was pregnant outside of marriage in those years. Mm -hmm. So I feel a lot of compassion for my mom. I don't know if my dad knew 
uh, this old friend that I, of my folks that I just ran into said, he speculates that my father knew, my dad who raised me knew, but we'll never know. And so that's the other thing. If, if there are any older people out there just discovering that they have a dad who they didn't know about, um, it's all, now that's part of your story. But that doesn't take away your parent who raised you. Kathleen, if, if people want to get in touch with you, could they do that? And how so? Sure, they can reach me at my email address. It's K, the letter K, letter J, A, Y, E, M as in mother, at yahoo.com. K-J-A-Y-E-M at yahoo.com. And I will put those in the show description for today as well. Okay. I have a daughter. She's in her early 40s. And she's sort of more like an anthropologist about this than uh, being super affected by it the way I was emotionally at first. Um, She's very curious about all of this, but I don't think she feels the emotional impact. And that's okay. I think that's my one message to everybody who gets this information or who wants to support somebody who has received this information of being an NPE, you don't have to say anything. In fact, try not to, (laughs) because sometimes it's not the right thing to say. But be with that person. Say, I hear that you're upset, or how can I support you? May I just sit here with you? I want to hear more. So I think that's, that's really important is to, if for people who want to help another person living through this kind of news, to just sit with them and not have an opinion really about it. And that it's going to affect, affect everyone differently. My story is just my story. And thanks so much, Lily. I appreciate this. Mm. Thank you so much, Kathleen. These stories are here for us to identify with. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, email npestories at gmail.com. You do not have to give any identifying information. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, I'd like to hear from you. Subscribe to this podcast to hear more. Come heal with us.